0: Well, my name is uh, Eric Reed, and uh, it's a privilege to be here with you guys again this year. I think this is my fourth year uh, in a row to be uh, at Impact at least to some degree uh, for a certain amount of days. I'm going to be with you guys tonight. Uh, and tomorrow night, and uh, just honored to be here. Every year that I get to be here, it's always exciting to see uh, what the Lord is doing, and to uh, be a part of this incredible uh, event. Many churches coming together as one. So, uh, thank you to those who uh, allow for me to be a part of this, and uh, thank you for you guys uh, for making. Uh, this a priority to be here this weekend uh, because we're gonna only have a short amount of time together. I want to take us uh, just a, a quick moment to get to know each other. Okay, so I, I'm, let me give you the formal stuff. Married, uh, been married 15 years. Have three kids: uh, Caleb, who's 13; he'll be 14 here in two weeks. Uh, have Kaylee, who's eight, and Kyra. Who is four? So a boy, two girls. Uh, I pastored a church just outside of Nashville in the Greater Nashville area, uh, called the Journey Church. Uh, planted that church twelve years ago and been pastoring that uh, ever since. Okay, now that's the that's kind of the resume stuff. But let's kind of get to know each other a little bit. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to share uh, just a few things about me, and if that's the same for you, if it's true of you also, I'm going to have you lift your hand. We're just going to have a little a little back and forth here where you'll get to know me, and in the process, I might get to know you a little bit or you'll get to know your neighbor a little bit better too. Okay. Okay. So how about this? I'm left-handed. Do we have any lefties in the house? Okay. All right. Good number. All right. Um, how about this? How about this? Um, if there was only one meal that I could have for the rest of my life, right? Your forever meal. I'm going Mexican food. Who's going Mexican food? With me? Yes. I knew I was in good company. All right. I knew I was in good company. How, how about this? Let's go sports. Let's go sports. Um, If it's going to be Team LeBron versus Team Steph, I'm Team Steph. Who's with me? All right. Did somebody say LeBron James? Did anybody do that? Okay. Um, All right, how about this? How about this? How about this? I, I am a firm believer there's only one correct way to put toilet paper on the roll, and it's from the top, from the, pull it from the top down. Anybody with me on that? Okay, now, there's a scary number of people who did not raise their hand to that. What kind of savages are you, is what I want to know. Okay, all right, well, Jesus Jesus gives, Woo, Jesus pulls us together. Okay, we'll see how this goes. Um, how about one more, one more, one more. Um, how about this? If you had to choose between, and you only can pick between the two of them, um, Taylor Swift, Justin Bieber... I'm going Justin Bieber, who's with me? Okay. All right, well that tells you a little bit about me, or me and you, I guess. Um, We're going to have a good time together this weekend, and the one thing that I hope we will share in common, even though we had some differences here, is that we all have this deep-seated recognition and understanding of how much we need Jesus. Jesus. We do, friends, we need him so much, and I'm gonna share some things with you tonight that um, I hope will be sobering enough for you to recognize how much you need him as well. And so I wanna begin by reading a passage of scripture and praying, and then we're gonna jump into what we're talking about. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. Isaiah 41, verse 10 says this. The Lord speaking. Fear not, for I am with you, Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you tonight recognizing how much we need you, or at least hoping to come to a place where we recognize in even greater detail how much we need you. This world provokes in us many fears and our own hearts even generate many fears that cripple us and paralyze us from the calling and the lives that you've called us to live, the faith you've called us to display. And so we pray that you would teach us about how to walk in such a way that our lives are not marked by fear except for that which is a fear of you and a fear and holy reverence to who you are and all that you've done for us. Help us to learn the difference between the two and help us to grapple with and examine our own hearts with accuracy tonight. We may not have showed up here expecting to have to confront these things that are holding us hostage, but I pray that you would bring them to the surface and bring freedom into this place. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the name of the theme this week, uh, this weekend, is Fearless Yet Fearful. And at first that kind of seems like a contradictory title, doesn't it? Fearless Yet Fearful. Fearful. Fearless means without fears. Fearful means with fears. So the theme of this weekend's conference is without fears yet with fears. It doesn't seem to go together at first. And yet what this actually shows us is that there are two different kinds of fears. There are two different types of fears. One of them we are to be without and one of them we are to be with. The Bible talks about two fears. The the Bible talks about two fears. When we look at the scriptures, you're going to see two themes around the subject of fear. One is a commanded fear. And we're going to talk more about that tomorrow night. But one of those is a commanded fear. You are commanded to fear the Lord, right? Fear the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. In other words, fear is commanded. But there's a second type of fear in the Bible, and that's a forbidden fear. That that's a forbidden. We are not to have those kind of fears, and those are the kind of fears that are synonymous with dread or fright or terror or anxiety or distrust, and on and on and on you could go. Right, alarm. There is a type of fear that the Bible says you and I are not to walk in. There's a kind of fear we should have, and it should mark our lives. And then there's a kind of fear that should not mark our lives if we are followers of Jesus. So what we're going to talk about tonight is what are those forbidden fears. What does it mean for us to be fearless is what we're going to look at tonight. Psychologists tell us that every human being is born with two inherent fears, two innate fears. Anybody want to guess what they are? Anybody want to take a guess without looking at your phones? i not be trying to Google real quick. All right, which one? Clowns? No. Good, good try. Yeah. Death? No. Height. Height. So fear of falling Fear of falling is one innate fear everyone's born with. What's the other one? Loud noises. Loud noises. Noise and falling. Fear of falling and fear of noises are two natural fears that everyone's born with. That's why, I look, if you get a baby and you're throwing them in the air, what's their eye, what do they do? They're like, right? <laughs> right their eyeballs get huge and they, and they usually start crying after they're caught, Right? a fear of a falling and the second one is a fear of loud noises so again make a loud noise and a baby's eyes get real big and then melt down why is that because every person is born with those two fears and yet listen that means every other fear is what learned every other fear is learned and listen we learn quickly don't we Yeah, those are the only two things we're born with, but what we begin to find is that we begin to add to those really quickly. There was a psychology class that actually did an experiment, and they went out and surveyed 500 people, and they asked them the question, what are you fearful of? What do you fear? What scares you, right? What are you afraid of? What is your deepest fears? And 500 people were surveyed, and they came back and compiled the answers, and there were over 7 thousand fears that people mentioned. five Seven thousand with five hundred people. Now I want you to take this in for a minute. I want you to consider something. There's over five hundred of you in this room tonight. So how many fears do you think are represented in this room tonight? How many fears is it possible that are being carried in this room? There were five hundred people surveyed. Seven thousand of them 7,000 different fears were mentioned. How many fears are represented in this room tonight? And maybe the more personal question is this. What fears are holding you hostage tonight? What are the fears that you're grappling with that have your heart, that have your mind, that consume your life? What are the fears in your life? There's basically several areas that you can be fearful right you can be afraid of failure anybody here ever fearful to fail at something let's just have some moment of honesty here yeah fear of failure is something that permeates a lot of people you can be afraid to fail at school okay some of you are fearful every time a paper is handed back okay you can be fearful of failing at school you can be fearful of failing in athletics Okay? Not doing well, not performing the way maybe somebody expects you to or, or maybe the way you expect yourself to or a coach. Uh, some of you fear failing when it comes to witnessing. You know you should, as a Christian, be witnessing to others and sharing your faith, but you're, f- you're afraid to fail. You're, you're afraid you're not going to be successful. Some of you are fear of failing at relationships. You're so hesitant to jump into relationships or to, to put yourself out there because you're, you're afraid you're going to fail when it comes to to relationships. Some of you are afraid to try new things. Maybe the Lord has put a calling on your life. Maybe maybe you feel like you need to kind of step up and and be a leader or maybe you want to, you know, you feel called to lead a Bible study or maybe God's putting even bigger things in your mind about what he wants your life to do but you're so afraid of failing, you're gripped by that fear and you don't act on it. Fear of failure permeates a lot of people, it, but there's another one too. There's the fear of the future. How many of you ever have fears that are related to the unknown or to the future? Yeah. Yeah, fear of the future, fear of the unknown, is something very real, isn't it? We are afraid of our health or the health of somebody we love, right? Will we stay healthy or will our loved one be healthy? Or will they, what's going to happen when that happens, right? Or, or we're afraid of the relationships not lasting. What happens if we don't make it beyond high school? What happens if my mom and dad sit me down and tell, tell me that they're done? Right? Or fear even of death. Not just in yourself, but somebody you love or care about. And what can happen is fear of the unknown can grip us and paralyze our hearts. And then we also have got the fear of rejection. Anybody here ever struggle with the fear of rejection? Man, I think it's so strong, in it? We fear, we fear being rejected by other people. right? We fear being rejected by friends or even family. right? We, we want approval so badly, and so we're terrified of not having it. Fear of failure or fear of rejection also leads some of us to not live the life that we know Christ has called us to. What happens if you really take serious following Jesus? What happens if you really give your life to follow him? Some of you are terrified of the rejection that would come. What would happen if you shared your faith with that friend that you know is struggling? Or maybe for some of you. You fear even putting yourself out there in relationships because you've been hurt so many times already. Maybe even by family. Maybe maybe you were rejected by someone who should have been someone you could trust. And it's affected everything about your relationships because now you fear rejection from others. And it runs your life. See, what I want you to understand is I could list a million different types of fears, but these are very predominant ones. And I want you to understand something that you are never without consequence when you live with fear. Living with fear is never without consequence. Okay. When fear grips you, when fear paralyzes you, it's doing something. There's always consequence. Let me, let me give you three consequences to what happens when you live in fear. And then I want to talk about how we can begin to move out of that and look to God's word for how we can live out of that. Here's the first thing that can happen. It can rob you of your joy. It can rob your joy. When you live in fear, it robs you, it saps you of the joy that, that God wants to give you as you live this life, as you walk in relationship with him. Think about this. Have you ever met someone paralyzed by fear who's happy? You ever met someone who's always fretting over the future or always fretting over being rejected or always fretting over failing being joyful is there any joy with living in fear no it robs you of joy living in fear is stealing from you the joy that god wants you to walk in and know in this life right in his presence there is fullness of joy at his right hand our pleasures forevermore jesus wants us to abide in him John 15, 11 says, I tell you these things, that you may, that my joy will be in you and your joy will be full. You and I are supposed to live in joy, but living in fear will rob you of that. Let me give you a second consequence to living in fear. It'll paralyze you from action. It'll paralyze you from action. And so you sense the Lord's calling you to do something, but what happens is, is fear puts the brakes on it. Because you're afraid to open your mouth and share your faith, you don't walk in obedience. You stay paralyzed. Maybe God's calling you to, to, to you know, put arms distance between a relationship that's crossed a line or that's not appropriate. But, but fear keeps you from acting on that. Fear of being rejected. Fear of not having the approval of someone. Fear, fear of not being loved keeps you from actually obeying God. See, what happens is, is when you're gripped by fear, it actually paralyze you from doing the things that you're supposed to do. Whether that be repenting of sin... Or whether be running towards obedience to the things God's called you to do in your life? Fear will paralyze you. Here's a third one. Fear will spread to others. Fear is contagious. Fear is contagious, isn't it? Think about this. There's a story about Charles Spurgeon preaching to thousands of people in this big metropolitan tabernacle. And as he's preaching, no PA system, right? And as he's preaching, somebody yells fire it wasn't true there was no fire Uh, a a lot of scholars think it was hecklers and just people who were just trying to cause a ruckus at the church but what happened when somebody when people heard fire some of the people got up and started trying to run out well the people who never heard the call fire looked around and saw people in a frenzy running out even though they didn't know why what do you think their reaction was they got up and ran out too and as a result of that several people died because they were trampled over Fear is contagious. Fear spreads. Think about how your heart gets affected when someone goes, oh, I don't know if I would do that because... and then list out a reason. And all of a sudden, fear starts gripping your heart. Fear is contagious. So listen, when you live with fear, you are robbing yourself of the joy God wants you to walk in. You're paralyzing yourself from action and it spreads to others. Now, What does that mean then? Are you prepared to stare down the barrel of your worst fears? Are you prepared to stare down the barrel of your worst fears becoming reality? It's a scary thing, isn't it? To think about what if the things you fear become reality? What if the things that grip your heart move out of the realm of possibility, and they become reality. See, as a parent, one of the worst fears that you can have is something happening to your children. In recent months, my wife and I have been walking and having to face that head on. I've shared our story over the years here in bits and pieces about my son Caleb needing to have a kidney transplant. His Kidney, had a bad kidney, had a good kidney, and in a, um, a mistake, his bad kidney was taken out, his good kidney was taken out with it. It changed our lives, it changed everything about his life. He. Went on a transplant list. He was on medications, multiple surgeries in his first two years of life. Finally got a kidney transplant. And and here's the great news. Got a kidney transplant. Now his kidney can function. His body was a little bit more healthy. The bad news is he has to always be on rejection medicine so his kidney doesn't reject. And, And what that means is his immune system gets brought down low. And he now becomes susceptible to viruses and infections and other things. So, for 13 years or for 11 years, roughly, since he had his transplant, my son has lived with constant infections, hospitalizations, blood transfusions, antibiotics galore, just always prone to get sick. And yet, we thank God that we have him, and yet, this becomes reality. And this past October, we went to the hospital thinking that our son had a sinus infection. He had bad headaches. He was starting to have blurred vision, even double vision. And so we went to the hospital, and he was there for a week. And, you know, nothing was really changing. They were throwing antibiotics at him. They were doing some tests, but nothing was was changing. And then on the seventh day that we were there, the eighth day that we were there, um, he went unconscious. And he would remain that way for the next three weeks. And after the first day or two of him being unconscious and them running batteries of tests and procedures, they discovered that he had something called fungal meningitis. And what had happened was, is this meningitis has taken over in his brain, and he had had several strokes, multiple seizures, and we had no communication with our son. And immediately we were thrown into this place of fear: What's going to happen? Is he gonna recover? Is he gonna make it? We spent 95 days total in the hospital. Three of those weeks in rehabilitation. I remember there were nights where I was in the critical care room with him and there's been no sign of life. There's no squeezing of fingers. There's no anything for days on end. And nighttime is a lonely place in the hospital. And your thoughts can run wild during those times. I remember there'd be times I'd be sitting there and playing the what if game in my head. And those, those are scary games to play. You know, what if I never get to talk to him again? What if he never is conscious again? What if he doesn't make it? What if he makes it, but he's never the same What if he's a vegetable and we we just have him, but that's all we have is just his body? At that point in time, we had nothing but questions, no answers. And every night as things would wind down and family would leave and people would leave and it's just me and my thoughts, fear would grip my heart to the point where panic and anxiety would begin to kick in. And we've lived for 13 years with trials and tribulations. And I thought, I'm good. I've got all this. I've dealt with, you know, the struggles, the trials, the pains. And yet here I am being confronted once again with fear. Fear. And by the grace of God, the Lord is leading us and graciously teaching us through this. My son began to wake up and began to gain more consciousness and slowly, slowly, slowly um, is beginning to regain motor skills and learn to walk again. And my son still hasn't hasn't spoken other than being able to say a word here and there. Um, Haven't talked to my son in five months in a conversation. It's really hard. And I'm praying that we haven't had our last father-son full conversation. So I'm still living daily with, am I going to be gripped by fear? Or will I do what the Lord says, fear not. Fear not. He's graciously leading us and teaching us how to live without fear. He's he's slowly beginning to release fear's grip from my heart. By showing me how all-sufficient His grace is in our times of need. And it is, friends. That's not a cliche. It it really is. But how do you find freedom from fear? Because I'm sure all of you have that that staring down the barrel of the gun image in your own mind, what that might look like, what that fear might be for you. If this happens, I just don't know if I could. And you can list what those things are, can't you? Some of you are in those things. Some of you have been in those things. So I wanna share with you a few things that the Lord has and is teaching me about finding freedom in the midst of fears. You'll see them on the screen. There's four of them I'm going to share with you. Here's the first one. You must be found in Christ. You must be found in Christ. 1 John four eighteen says, Perfect love cast out all fear. Perfect love. See, the perfect love of God was displayed in the sending and the giving of His Son. God showed His love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes would not perish but have eternal life. And this is love. Not that we've loved God, but that he has loved us and gave his son to be a propitiation for our sins. See, listen, when we embrace the love of God in the giving and the receiving of his son Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins, that perfect love casts out fears. And here's why. Because every other fear is a shadow of the fear that should be there by being at enmity with God and separated from him. If you are separated from God because of your sin and you have not found Christ, if you're not in Christ, if there's not been faith in Christ, let me tell you something. Every other fear is a shadow to the greatest fear, which is being separated from him eternally. Let me explain what I mean by that. Matthew 10, 28, Jesus says this. Do not fear him who can destroy the body but cannot destroy the soul. Don't fear those who can destroy the body but cannot destroy the soul. That seems so counterintuitive because we would all fear somebody trying to kill us. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Don't fear the one who can kill your body but cannot kill your soul. Fear him who can destroy soul and body in hell. You know where your fear should be placed? It should be fear of God, not fear of man or any circumstance in this world. Here's why I'm saying you must be in Christ. You must be found in Christ because until you're in Christ, every other fear pales in comparison to the fear that should grip you about being separated and lost forever. You can't even begin to tackle the fears that, that enter into your heart and that come into your life if you haven't first been reconciled to God through Christ. You can't. You can't even begin to go down that road. There is no freedom from fear if you're not in Christ. So you must be found in Him. Here's the second thing. You must remember that God is with you. You must remember that God is with you. Because if you're found in Christ, then you have this incredible promise. As a covenant child of the living God, He is with you. He is with you all throughout the scriptures. When you see God commanding his servants not to be fearful, not to be fearful, do not fear, don't be afraid. What's always the promise he gives them with that? What's he say? Because I'm with you. Remember, he said it to Joshua. Joshua uh, 1, 8, 9. He says, be strong, be courageous. We remember that, right? He says, do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. Why? For the Lord your God is with you everywhere you go. You know why you can walk in confidence despite the reality that things are, are, are troublesome around you? And things are. This is not utopia, y'all. When I'm saying be reminded that he's with you, listen, that means when you're at the hospital and your son is hanging in the balance, life and death is on the line, you can be reminded of this. He's with you. He's with you. You remember in the fiery furnace of Daniel 3? You remember they look around, there three figures thrown into the fire, but how many were seen? Four, God is with you in the fire. God is with you in the fire. Jesus says in Matthew 28, he says, I'm going away. All power's been given to me, so here's what I'm gonna command you to do. You're gonna go into all the world and make disciples. I'm sending you outside of your little bubble here in Galilee and in, in Israel, and I'm sending you out to the nations, and you're gonna make disciples, and you're gonna baptize them, and you're gonna teach them to obey, and then this big, scary, incredible global mission, he accommodates it with a promise. And he says what? I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Do not fear, I am with you. Emmanuel, God with us, is always with his people. Isaiah 41, Tim, we read it a while ago, fear not. Why? For I am with you. Friends, let me tell you something. He may let you go into the fiery furnace because he has plans in the midst of that furnace for you and for others around you. But you can make certain of this, you're never in the furnace alone. You know why you can walk fearless despite troubles, despite suffering, despite pain? Because you're never walking alone. If you belong to him, you're never walking alone. For those who are found in Christ, we can stand on this promise that in all things that we encounter in this life, we have one who walks with us. We have one who goes before us. And that strengthens our resolve to keep walking despite the fears. The third thing that we need to learn, and we don't do a good job teaching this in the church, is you must trust the sovereignty of God. You must trust the sovereignty of God. There's a story in the book of Samuel, 1 Samuel is one of my favorite books, and um, there's, it's the story of Eli and Samuel. You, you, you remember when uh, Samuel's a young uh, servant of Eli? He's a young prophet. Of course, Eli is a prophet. And um, Samuel's in training under the older Elijah or uh, the older Eli. And uh, there's a night where Samuel hears the voice of the Lord say, Samuel, Samuel. And what does Samuel do? He runs to Eli's room. He's like, Did you call for me? And Eli's like, No. And so he goes back to his room and the Lord says, Samuel, Samuel. And and he runs back to Eli's room and he's like, yeah? He's like, no, I I didn't call for you. And then it happens a third time. And and when Samuel goes into Eli's room, Eli catches on to what's happening. He says, hey, listen, next time you hear that, just say, yes, Lord, your servant's listening. The The Lord is calling to you. So Samuel goes back and sure enough, The Lord calls out to him. And what begins to unfold is the Lord shares with Samuel that judgment is about to fall on the house of Eli. That Eli's two sons are going to be killed because of their wickedness and judgment's going to fall upon them. So the next morning, Samuel gets up and Eli's like, what did he say to you? Tell me everything. And Samuel says, He said, this is gonna happen. And he lays it all out to Eli. And Eli's response in 1 Samuel 3, verse 18, is a verse we need to lodge into our heart and learn to repeat just as as earnestly and honestly as, as Eli did. 1 Samuel 3, 18, here's his response to learning that his children were gonna suffer death because of their sin. He says, it is the Lord let him do what seems good to him. It's the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. See, you can only make that kind of statement when you understand the wisdom of God and you understand the love and goodness of God. You see, you can't say it's the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him because what we often say is it's the Lord. Let him do what seems good to Us to me. We want the Lord to do what seems good to us in our little finite wisdom. We think we know better than what the will of the Lord is. We think we could run the universe better than the Lord. We think we could create and sketch out a much greater plan for our lives than the Lord, don't we? We wouldn't say it like that, but we do. Tim Keller says that we would ask for everything the Lord gives us if we knew everything that he knows. If we knew everything the Lord knows, we would ask for everything that he gives us. Why? Because we would see the wisdom. We would see the goodness. We would see the love behind it. Friends, listen. Until we learn to trust the sovereignty of God, the fact that He rules the universe. He reigns. He's over everything. Nothing can pass by His counsels. That, that Nothing can happen in this world that doesn't first pass by His counsels. Nothing can come into our lives unless He so decrees it. And here's what this does. This breeds a confidence, not fear. Because here's what we know. If He is for us... Who can be against us? Here's what we know. He's working all things, even the difficult things, even the bad things, for our good. You remember when Joseph had everything unroll, unravel and, and, and turn upside down in his life? Remember Genesis? Remember Joseph's brother sold him into slavery? Potiphar's wife accused him of cheating. Uh, the, the dream interpreters didn't tell him that it was Joseph who interpreted And years, and years, and years of, of just on the other side of bad circumstances, that was Joseph. And yet, at the end of the day when he finally met face to face with his brothers to help them, preserve them through the famine, you remember what he said to them? He said, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. That's What Joseph said you know what that requires trusting in the sovereignty of God no matter what's happening to me I trust him because I belong to him he's for me his wisdom is greater than mine his goodness is greater than mine he loves me more than I even can comprehend can I tell you something if the Lord allows for you to go through something that is tragic and heartbreaking If he allows for you to go through something and he doesn't lift you from it, he's doing something in it. If he doesn't pull you from it, and it's okay to pray, pull me from it. It's okay to say, God, please heal, please rescue, please save, please change, please fix. It's okay, but at the end of the day, we need to say, nevertheless, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. It is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. We have to trust him. One of my favorite verses that's become precious to me in this season of time with our family is often the bumper sticker, coffee mug, t-shirt, cliche verse, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he'll make your path straight. Trust the Lord. And I love the fact that this command, trust the Lord, is followed by and lean not on your own understanding. Because here's the deal. We often make our trust contingent on our understanding. I'll trust you if I can understand why I should. I'll trust you if I can wrap my head around why you would allow this. I'll trust you if. And, and, the, and the, the writer of the Proverbs just says, no, no, no. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. Don't wait until you can understand the wisdom of God. Don't think you can trace every line to make sense of it. Trust Him even when you don't understand. In all your ways, you just keep looking to Him and you just keep living for Him. You just keep throwing yourself at His feet and casting yourself on His mercies. And He'll keep making your path straight even when you don't know where the path leads. One of the ways you find freedom from fear is you realize he holds your future. He holds your future. And what you can't understand about what's happening in your life right now, you can give up trying to understand and cast yourself upon his mercies and trust him. You can trust him. Charles Spurgeon, I think, is the one who famously said, When you can't trace his hand, you can trust his heart. When you can't trace his hand, you can trust his heart. When you can't trace what he's doing, when you can't trace what the drawing and the picture is becoming, when you can't trace why the story is going in this direction, what you can do is trust his heart. Can I just ask you, do you trust the Lord with that level of depth tonight? Let me tell you what burdens me. Let me tell you what burdens me. I didn't think we would ever go through this. And some of you right now, you're listening, but you're just thinking to yourself like, yeah, but I won't ever go through anything like that. Can I just ask you a question like, if your whole world gets turned upside upside down tomorrow morning do you have a faith that can stand if everything you know and everything you hope for and everything you've got planned and everything you desire about life if that all just comes crumbling down tomorrow with one phone call with one wrong turn do you have the faith that can stand See, what burdens me so much is that nobody thinks they're going to go through those things until they're in them. And then listen, you can't build an airplane in the air, friends. What you are when trials hit your front door is what you are. Do you trust the sovereign Lord of your life with whatever he brings? Can you say with Eli, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him and rest in that. It's one of the ways you'll find freedom from fear. You won't be paralyzed by fears of the the future. You won't be paralyzed by what is unknown because you know the one who knows it. Let me give you the fourth one. You must be found in Christ. You must remember that God is with you. You must trust the sovereignty of God. And fourth, you must die to this world. You must die to this world. As long as we are living for this world, we'll be gripped by the fears that come in it. Let me explain what I mean. Throughout the history of war, especially even the Vietnam War, because there were so many casualties, the most dangerous people on the battlefield were the new guys. Not because they were inexperienced, but because they still lived with the belief that they could go home. They lived with a belief that they would make it. And because they lived with that belief, they would be fearful. Because not making it would paralyze them with fear. And what some of the older veteran soldiers would tell these guys is, here's your problem You're still expecting to go home. Soldier, you're already dead. You're not going home. So now, why don't you live and fight fearlessly? You're not going home. So, live without fear and fight without fear. You know, that reminds me an awful lot of how the Apostle Paul talked, too. I am crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You know why Paul could live with, with passion and zeal despite his afflictions and despite his pains and despite ultimately his death? Because he said, I'm already dead. I'm crucified. My life is not my own. Second Corinthians chapter 5, 14 and 15 it says the love of Christ compels us, controls us. Why? Because one died for all. And we're convinced that one died for all. That those who live may no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake was crucified and raised. Paul says we're dead men. And, And maybe the most familiar thing he says concerning that is Philippians chapter 1, 21 and 23. He says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor. But Which should I choose? I can't tell, I'm hard pressed between the two. My desire is to part and be with Christ for that is far better. Paul understood this life is not the finish line. We wanna be with him. We wanna be with him. We're dead here, we're not living for here. You know why some of you are so gripped by fear? Because you want everything that the world offers and you're not that interested in the things of God. You're living for the world. Paul could say, look, I don't care which it is. I could part and be with Christ or I can stay with you. I'd rather be with Christ. That's better. But if he wants me to be here, I'll be here in labor to live as Christ, to die as gain. Can you say that? Can you say to live as Christ, to die as gain? See, most of us have chosen heaven over hell, but not many of us have chosen heaven over earth. Yeah, we don't want to go to hell, but we're not ready to go to heaven either. We like, we want here. And I'm not saying we should be flippant about this, this life. This is a gift. But listen, we're not living for this life. Unless you are. Which will lead you to be gripped by fear. It will lead you to be paralyzed by what you will miss or what you won't have or what you'll leave. You want to be free to fear? Die to this world die to this world. Now, I want to close and I'm going to I want us to think about how Jesus looks at this room tonight. Jesus, the Christ crucified for sinners didn't stay in a tomb. He rose from the dead and he's at the right hand of the Father reigning and ruling the world. And listen, and he is he is observing the hearts of this gathering, this very moment. He's not a disinterested bystander. He is keenly observing our hearts, our minds. And when he sees some of you tonight, he sees you gripped and riddled with fear because you're still not found in him. He sees a heart that is restless because it is yet to find its rest in him. He sees a heart full of fear because he sees a heart that hasn't found peace in him. He's calling you tonight. You've heard it in the prayers that have been prayed. You've heard it in the songs that we've sung. I hope you've heard it in this message. Listen, he's beckoning you to deal with number one issue tonight, you can never deal with the fears of this life until you first grapple with your separation from him. And he's freely inviting you to cast yourself and your cares upon him tonight. He offers freely in exchange of your sin for his righteousness You can exchange your filthy rags for his righteous robes. You can do that tonight by faith, crying out. All you have to cry out is, Jesus, I need you. I want you. I need you tonight. And he's calling you to some some of you to that right now, right now. He also looks at this room and he sees people who have cried out to him and yet are still so filled with fear, fear of failure, fear of rejection, fear of the future because you don't truly understand who He is and what He's done for you. You don't understand that He's with you all the time. That you are treasured by Him. And that while you might walk through the valleys, you don't ever walk through the valleys alone or without calls. He takes you through the valleys because He's doing something in you. He's working in those times. He has not abandoned you. He's never been closer to you. See, God was always with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He just became more visible in the fire. We want to run from the valley, and he's going, you'll see me in the valley. Do you trust him with that? Do you trust that he's brought you where he has you because he's doing something in it? Are you trusting him in the sovereign goodness Tonight, some of you, he's calling you, trust me, trust me. Don't just trust me for your salvation and then think I can't handle your life. Trust me with all of it. Let me me love your fears out of your heart. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads tonight, and I want to... I want to encourage you tonight, just right where you sit... To grapple with the things that the Lord is, is speaking to your heart. I am trusting that the Spirit of God is revealing fears that need to be dealt with. I'm believing the Spirit of God is readying your heart for a trial that's to come, that He wants you to be prepared to walk through. For those of you who need to cry out in faith to cross the line of faith tonight, just cry out, Jesus, I need you. Just tell him, I recognize I can't pay my sin debt. I recognize that my fears start with my separation from you. I'm not found in you. Cry out to him and cast yourself on his mercies. He'll receive you tonight, just as you are, just as you are in all of your your issues. You don't have to pass a theology test tonight. All you need to know is this. You're a great sinner. And Christ is a great Savior. More mercy found in one drop of His blood than all the sin in your life. Cry out to Him. Call upon Him. He'll meet you right here in this place. Right here. For the believer... Maybe you need to get on your face tonight and pray that the Lord would breed new faith, a a trusting faith, a fear not I am with you faith, that we would believe that He'll strengthen us and that He'll help us, that He'll uphold us as He promises to do. Let's exchange our fears for peace tonight. Let's live fearless because we know the one who cast out fear. We know who He is. We know His promises. Let's take off the shackles of fear tonight. Let's take off the chains that keep us held down tonight. Oh Lord, move in this place. Move in our hearts. Confront us with our fears. Show us your glory. Show us the reality of truth that we have nothing to fear when we are found in you, that you walk with us, and you hold our lives in your hands, and you have a plan for our lives. And we're not living for this life alone, we are looking to what is to come. Death has been conquered, it has been swallowed up in victory, we know that you are making all things new, we are not living for what this world can give. Death does not have to paralyze us with fear, for it's far better to depart and be with you, Jesus. Teach us what it looks like to live that way. Raise up your church to live fearless, because we fear you. sing, we're going to give the Lord our praises, but maybe you need to continue to give the Lord your prayers. I'm going to challenge you tonight, if the Lord is the Lord has called you to himself, if you have crossed that line of faith tonight, and you've asked for the forgiveness of your sins, and you've called out for Christ as your Savior, you need to tell somebody. We want to walk with you. There's people who want to walk with you. You need to talk to one of your friends. You need to talk to one of your youth leaders. Faith is personal, but it's not private, y'all. He saves us out of our sin and into a family. We want to celebrate with you if that's you. You need to share that with somebody. Maybe for some of you, even as you're praying and you're praising, you need to ask somebody to pray with you. Maybe you need to reveal what some of these fears are that are gripping your heart, that are stagnating your faith. Can we just kind of create a place where even right now, we're not fearing what our neighbor's thinking about us. are <laughs> not fearing what everybody around us is doing or thinking about what we're doing. Can we just start by liberating this place to be a place where the Lord can move freely and we respond because we're not fearing anything in this place. Let's respond to him in that way tonight. Whatever the Lord's leading you to do, if that's to come and get on your face and pray, if that's to find another person and sit down and pray, if that's to lift your hand and praise, let's respond to the Lord's goodness, and let's do business with God tonight, the one who cast out our fear. Let's stand up together.
1: Uh, It's It's, uh, a really cool thing that we get to be a part of, and so... Uh, what we want to do is even take a minute to to let this kind of be uh, practical, coming out of the message and, and talk. And I just want to say to everybody here, like I really appreciate both these guys. They've been a huge encouragement to my faith. And so there's no superstars here throughout this weekend. It's just people trying to follow Jesus faithfully. We do that imperfectly, but we can learn from one another. And so we're going to take some time over the next couple of nights. We'll, we'll do this. Uh, each evening just to be able to talk and hear how some of the things that we've even learned or learning through the through the messages and through the word apply to our lives just even practically so um, you know we're talking about fear uh, tonight and so I'm just curious from you guys uh, it's been a while since you were teenagers um, but as you're thinking back uh, those <laughs> middle school high school years maybe you've tried to suppress all those memories um what were, what was something or a couple things that were fears in your lives, and looking back on that now, what have you learned about those fears, whether it was kind of present working through them, or now kind of in retrospect, looking back, just knowing who's in the room and what they're walking through, uh, I think it could be helpful for us, so either if you want to start?
0: Yeah, um, I, I think for me, the root fear um, in, in high school, middle school, high school is really where it started. Uh, was the need for approval? Um, so many of the the, uh, the the sins that I would commit were really the fruit of that root. When I look back, when I think about being sexually promiscuous, when I think about you know uh, drug and alcohol use and things that I did in those times, most of those things were well, almost never were those things the end and of themselves. It was what it, those things would make you think about me, if I could drink a lot or if I could. Um, you know, if I could uh, have that that girl, right? It's what you think about me that I can, not the thing itself. And so, approval was um, was the root idol for me, and even still today, I have. It, so it manifests itself differently, but I still have to guard my heart around that same root, which just tells you, um, you know, you're always guarding the heart at all seasons of life, even if the sin is it manifesting itself in the same ways? It can often have
2: the same root. So that was, for me, just approval, people-pleasing. Yeah. Um, arachnids. Um,
1: what was that? Arachnids. Arachnids. Spiders. In spiders, yeah. yeah. Um, Anybody else in here afraid of spiders? You just be honest. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh,
2: yeah. Um, no, I think... Um, I mean sim- similarly i so i was uh, I was what is is called a late bloomer okay so uh, I was like the little guy in middle school I was just like the the tiniest little dude and uh so i I did have a lot of you know similarly to, to Eric, I had a lot of uh, fears and uh, you know that that i I needed to make up for you know I needed to make up for something I needed res- I needed respect I need you know because I'm a little man kind of scrapping for all that and so yeah I think I think there was a sense uh, in uh, in middle school and high school that uh, you know through in in middle school it was more through an introversion and kind of a hiding in high school it was more of through a, a popularity and and kind of like being you know it was voted most spirited in high school and did all all the the crazy business but again a lot of that was was it was, it was driven by fear you know it was driven by i want wanting wanting needing people um, to like me so yeah
1: so and i th- I think that's i mean you both guys are kind of saying the same thing there's an approval you know fear of man what what they think and i I assume that's probably everybody in the room we we uh resonate with that we might have individual fears, whether it's arachnids. Uh, for me, blood and any other type of bodily thing is, 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 not, a, is not something, which is bad when you have four kids, because there's, anyways. Yeah, it's not good. Uh, yeah, it's not good. So how do you, we'll get into this a little bit more tomorrow night, um, but how do you fight against that fear of man, approval of man, just practically, anything you guys have to say about that?
2: Well, yeah, I mean, I, I guess, and, and to even say, like, to catch it up to now, I mean, I think, you know, still, you know, like, struggle with that. Still, I, I, I think as a ministry person, uh, you know, sometimes I, I I have this fear of, like, feeling like I'll be exposed or whatever. You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a wreck, I'm a mess, just like everybody else. But, you know, you have this, like, sense of platform personality or whatever that, that you, um, you know, so that that's a real fear for me. Um, I wrestle with fear about the future, about, um, you know, decisions that, that we'll make and, and fearing that I'll like choose the wrong path or choose the wrong thing and, and I'll screw my life up. And, uh, so yeah, those, those are real struggles. And, um, you know, I guess for me, a lot of things, um, in life, you know, come back to worship, you know, so I think when, you know, I, I forget who, what like theology person said it, but it was like, our emotions are like the smoke from the fire of the altar of the god we worship Mm. so you know, you think about your emotions like fear being one fear anxiety anger despair so you you know they're like smoke and so you they're important to listen to they're important to to see but you trace those things down to the fire of the altar of of whatever god you worship so you know if it's if it's anxiety well why do you feel the anxiety well i feel this anxiety because you know i'm going to be exposed or whatever so what's your your what you're worshiping actually is your reputation, or, your, or yourself, or you know, or, or, or whatever. And so, yeah, for me, I, I guess it's it's those moments of when I feel the fear. My hope is that I remember that okay, that's a, that's an indication, and like take it, take that emotion in that moment, and to say, all right, this is this is uh, my emotions are preaching to me, and they're saying you're not worshiping Jesus, you're worshiping something else, um, and so to 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 take that you know to, to kind of sit with my heart for a minute and say all right what is that thing why am I afraid why am I anxious why am I despairing um, why am I angry and to say all right what's the thing I'm actually worshiping and to and to, and to remind myself to give that to God remind myself that whatever that thing is in a thousand years it's going to mean nothing mm. it's going to mean absolutely nothing and just to reorient my heart in that moment and and um, obviously that's that's what the life that's what you do. I mean, that's the Christian life, and so it's not like it happens in a snap and it's done. But um, I, I guess I just try to try to do that. I try to um, sort of frame the thing, the emotion, as as a worship issue, and and just bring it to the Lord and say, God, God, help me, save me, rescue me.
1: I think that's great, and and uh, you're getting that too, Eric. That a lot of times, I guess when we think about fear, we don't necessarily think about worship, but but they, but they are. I mean, one flows out of the other. And I think a lot of times we, kind of like you said, we look at the smoke, you know, instead of the fire, we look at the fruit instead of the root and what's really down there. So one of the points that you said about, you know, battling fear, you talked about joy in the Lord, joy in in Christ and being found in Him. Matt, you've even talked a lot tonight about the gospel and and the different sides of the coin. And so I'm just curious, and I, I might be the only one thinking about this, but how do you guys personally preach the gospel to yourself like how do you keep that on the forefront for everybody who's in this room who says yes I, I do believe in jesus i am trying to follow him how do you keep the gospel there and i was even thinking about in 2 Corinthians when paul talks about you know this light momentary affliction you know is is not compared to the eternal weight of glory he's looking to something bigger that was carrying him through his experience so Any just practical helps for us in that, for how you keep the cross center in your own lives?
0: Yeah, I mean, so not to sound cliche, but um, I I start every morning with the Lord before I spend it with anyone else. And in those moments, I'm trying to be very intentional about um, what I'm feeding my heart in terms of my thoughts and in terms of what I'm reading, in terms of um, my own prayers. And uh, the first thing I do is I get up and I start making coffee. And as it's making, I'm pacing my kitchen floor. Literally, if you come by my house, don't come by my house. But if you drove by my house, I'd be a little creepy. Yeah. yeah. If you drove by my house uh, between four and five in the morning, I'm pacing my kitchen floor as coffee makes. How many of
1: you guys are up between four and five in the morning? Anybody? Okay, we got a few. Sorry. Um, keep going.
0: And, and what I'm doing as my coffee's making before I even utter my first prayer is I'm trying to actually speak the truth to my own heart. I'm, I'm, I'm literally preaching to myself. Eric, you are made by God. You're made for God. You're made to glorify him, to worship him. You're a sinner, but he sent his son for you. You're loved. He opened your eyes. He gave you a new heart. His spirit dwells within you. He's, he delights in you coming to him this morning. He delights in hearing from me. He desires to speak to me. I just, and I don't have like a, a script. I just speak the gospel to myself, and and I can do that usually while the coffee pot's making, um, and 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 just really, I'm just ready in my heart. Is all I'm doing because um, one, I need coffee when I get up. I don't jump out like, oh, the joy of the Lord, right? I'm, I need I need to get my heart ready. And let's be honest with you, because sometimes I gotta drag my heart to that place, right? Because I'm waking up tired and groggy and in a hospital room, right? It doesn't mean like I'm just always waking up like ready for quiet time so one of the reasons i do have to do that is i got to get my heart ready and then i just you know I'm, I'm trying to spend time in prayer i'm trying to spend time reading the word and um and and take whatever i'm reading and and hearing from god today with me throughout that day and so it's just i think abiding in in christ abiding in the lord communion with the living god you were you and i have been saved into union for the purpose of communion right so the union is our legal status. The communion is our relational status. And so uh, y- you enter into union with God by faith, but that gives you now the privilege of having communion with God and relationship. And so I think we've just got to run to that every day. That has to be our heart.
1: Matt, any thoughts?
2: You know, I, I, there's, there's really, I, I would just totally echo that. And I would just say, you know, again, to, to kind of reorient what we're talking about in the, in the sort of lens of worship. One of the reasons I think I'm a Christian and I'm, I believe in God and I'm a religious, religious person is because I've just seen in my own life how, you know, when you wake up in the morning, you wake up with this restlessness, you know, this surging in your heart and in your emotions and in your soul. You know, you're like going to your phone or you're going to, you know, you're just like, you wake up, uh, as a consumer, you know, and you wake up worshiping. And it's like you, you, mm-hmm. you, never, you never start worship, you aim it, you know, and it's good. like, um, yeah, it's, it's just like what Eric's saying. So you take that, that beast, you know, that your, your heart's just arrows are flying out of it towards something and those emotions and the anxiety and the fear and the anger, and you wake up and it's just like, it's just happening. It's all happening. And if you, know, if, I, if you don't take that and aim it somewhere true, then where do you go? I mean, where, your life, where do you end up? And you, and you do that for a day, and then you do it for a month, and then you do it for a year, and then you do it for five years, and it's like, you've, and then, you've, then where are you? you know, you've, you've wasted your life. So, um,
0: and haven't you found that when you, if you start the day and you got that turmoil, and you do, all of us do, and you just go through the religious motions of, oh, i got to say a prayer. i got to check off a box here and read a chapter. If you're not actually bringing your heart to that place, yeah. you can actually just be going through motions. Yeah. So that's why you have to do like what you said. I think you have to grapple with that, yeah. that wrestling.
2: Yeah.
1: Just one last question. Um, and you kind of alluded to this as you were, as you were wrapping up, um, just that it's not a solo sport you know, you talked about, it. you know, it's it's not just something private. For you guys personally, what role have the people of faith, the church, other believers played in your pursuit of faith, your fight against fear? And, you know, and we just, we live in a society, and, and even just, even inside ourselves, like, we want to be self-sufficient. You know, it's easy to kind of be a solo sport and some of those things. And, and even sometimes view the church as it's just kind of this religious institution thing. So what what role do the people of God for you guys play, play in this?
2: Well, I mean, just a, a huge one. I'm, I, I'm a natural introvert. And so I just, you know, I kind of go and hide from the spiders and just hang out. Um, and uh yeah and so and when you're in that spot you you become uh you, you you lose perspective you know and so um i just i need people to to tell me you know it, it, it's just it's the means of grace it's it's waking up in the morning and and reading scripture it's it's gathering together with believers it's being known it's being loved and um and yeah so i i need that with you know from my wife from uh, my the guys in the band, from guys, you know, at church men, uh, and just have to to I, I have to I don't find it naturally, so I have to I have to put myself in those uh, mm. spots to uh, to hear and to listen. And, and there's there's a couple guys in Nashville, a couple older songwriter guys who I, I meet with and and uh, hear from their wisdom and remind me that spiders are, are not going to kill me and. It's it's gonna be okay and and I'll be okay and you know my wife like she's I, I shared with you the, the earlier that she's just awesome she's just so awesome and like I you know we've been married this April will be ten years and um, man she uh, she's just she's an amazing person and one of the things. I actually, it related to fear that lately, I, I've just we've just been fear about the future, it's just like what's coming, where where are we heading, where's what, what's next, and uh, she this phrase I think she read it somewhere or something, but she's this has been like the phrase she said, you know, we go under the mercy, just the mercy of God. You know, you're 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 gonna in life you're gonna fail, you're gonna mess up, you're gonna make wrong choices, you're gonna make morally wrong choices, you're gonna make um, you know career choices. You know, you you're, you're gonna do all these things. It's all under the mercy of God, go under the mercy, and there's so much liberation in that and, and, and a way and, you know a lack of fear uh, that if we if we believe that and uh, so yeah
1: it's awesome. well, hopefully no one will come put some fake spiders up on your keyboard over the course awesome. of the weekend. Yeah, uh, awesome. you know we don't want to induce anything. Yeah. Hey, I do just want to say, and Matt didn't ask me to do this but you know, something that's helped me even in my pursuit of the Lord, and I think would be super helpful to you or some of the things that you've put out, especially your book, um, Look and Live. It's been one that I recommend a lot of just when it comes to worship and trying to look at Jesus as being the all-supreme joy of our lives. And so if you're looking for, it doesn't replace the Bible by any means, but something to come alongside of that, some of your music and, and what you've written has been really helpful to me, and I know many other people, and I'm Thankful for what you guys do. Can we say thanks to Matt and to Eric for serving us this weekend?